Hey, Tammy. What's up? How you doing? I am well. How are you? I'm good. Are you ready to do another one of these? I sure am. I think you got a part two coming for I me. I've been do. I've been anxiously awaiting yeah. this. So if you haven't gone to listen to our last episode on Steven Stainer last week, stop what you're doing. Don't listen any further. You want to go back and listen to that episode first. Um, because this is part two, um, we are talking about the Stainer brothers. So today we're going to be talking about Carrie Stainer, otherwise known as the Yosemite Killer. She's in crackers. This poor family has been through so much drama, and um, and I'm going to tell you all about his escapades and what a slime ball he is. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's do it then. So just a slight recap from last week, um, Steven Stainer was kidnapped when he was seven years old, returned home when he was 14 um, after being held semi-captive by Kenneth Parnell. Um, I mean, he was being held captive, but he was also a little bit brainwashed into thinking he wasn't wanted. So he stayed with his captor for seven years before he um, rescued the second boy that Parnell adopted as part of their quote-unquote family. Um, When he returned home, there was a lot of attention on Stephen and his brothers and sisters, you know, were they were all happy to have him home. Everybody was happy to have him there, but it definitely kind of took attention away from the rest of the family. All the light was on Stephen for very good reason. Um, but, you know, the media was doing things like hanging off the roof, trying to get pictures, and it just was a lot, you know. I mean, you go from your life being normal-ish after your brother gets abducted seven years prior to, you know, like lights flashing in your face and camera and media and interviews and like all the things. Um, and then, uh, unfortunately Steven dies 10 years after he, um, escapes captivity in a motorcycle accident. And, um, when during those 10 years that he was home, he got married, he had two kids and they made a, a movie for him, like a made for TV movie about his story, um, or based on it. it wasn't entirely true, but most of it was, um, what he went through. And, um, and Steve, once, you know, Steven got that kind of attention, Carrie was just feeling extra overshadowed. So there's a lot of like pictures out there of Carrie, um, when Steven is brought back home where he's kind of like looking melancholy or, just not looking happy, I guess. I don't know that he necessarily was looking mad. He just didn't really, he was expressionless kind of, you know. Um, so Carrie, on the other side of this, when um, Stephen was returned home, Carrie was out on a camping trip. I want to say it was like spring break-ish time. Yeah, because it was March. So it was probably around spring break and he was on a camping trip. And he hears this like about his brother's return. Now it's like, you know, before cell phones or anything like that. Um, and so there's this book that was written about Carrie. And, you know, of course, they start off with Stephen's story because it's it's important to know about what's going on with it. Um, but the book's name was The Yosemite Killer. I have me. two questions. Yep. Um how old was Carrie at the... Is, are he younger than Stephen? Or he's was, older. He's older than he Stephen. He is older. And so, I don't know much about Carrie. Are you saying that most of his, like, killings were after Stephen was... That we know of, that Stephen was found? Stephen was found, and 10 years later, that's when Carrie started killing. Jeez, okay. So, yeah. I, I didn't know if there's anything... 
Like he had already had these tendencies. No, I'm sorry. Stephen dies and 10 years later. So it was about 20 years later that he Dang. All right. What'd this boy do? Yeah. So um, according to the book, The Yosemite Killer, um, Del, who was his dad, was blamed for he blamed Carrie a lot for Stephen's abduction because he didn't walk home with him that day. So Carrie just, you know, he he carried that with him for a really long time. And God, what a burden to put on your kid. I would punch my husband in the throat. I'm sorry, but you know, poor kid. Um, but, you know, admittedly, whenever Stephen came home, Carrie was jealous of all the attention that he was getting. He was getting new clothes when he got home. He had this, like, made-for-TV movie done after him. And so he just, he was jealous. And if you remember from the last episode, he said something along the lines of, um, well, anybody with any kind of moral fiber would have would have saved that boy. Like, downplaying the heroism oh, that's Stephen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So he said stupid shit like that all the time. So Carrie was overshadowed by his brother's homecoming and his heroism. And he admits being jealous and being pushed aside and kind of being, quote unquote, put on the back burner when Stephen came home. Do you like how I had to air quotes that? Even they can't see it, but I'm air quoting right yeah. here. That's yeah, my air quote. I saw it. There's lots because of air quotes going on behind the scenes. And eye rolling. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Because nobody puts baby in a corner. <laughs> yeah. Right. Jeez. Which, you know, I could understand if so Stephen was 14 when he came home which would make Carrie I think 17 when he when Stephen yeah so he's older and I guess you know boys develop their maturity a little bit slower than girls but in general like you would think you'd be grateful that he was home but he he wasn't he was like kind of feeling like almost resentful I guess that Stephen was was brought home so. Yeah, and I'm not trying to justify um, Carrie's actions or, or anything yeah. like that. Obviously, that you can't go from that to, to the next extreme. Mm. But I feel like for the kids, and thankfully, I'm, I mean, I've never had to deal with something like a missing child. But Thank God. I would imagine that the kids, I mean, normal childhood probably ended the second Stephen was abducted. Because now, you know, you have media and all in you know and investigators and then you have all the attention of that that brings but then you've also got parents like now we have this bubble i know <laughs> but you cannot leave you know what i mean like, yeah i would do the same thing i'd be like well i'm not you know we're totally. gonna keep y'all in this bubble yeah so i'm sure and maybe you know had um because steven was missing for seven years I mean, in seven years, maybe you start to the healing. I don't think you ever really truly right. heal from something like that. Right. But, you know, and then it's just the wound is opened all over again. I'm just, mm-hmm. yeah. And like I said, obviously that is, I hate to say it's a great outcome because Stephen did endure a lot, but they found him. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's, there's so many families out there that never get that closure. Totally. And I'm sure, like, for the kids, there was probably some part of them that was feeling the closure. Like, they already felt like yeah. it was found yeah. or they whatever. they it. They mourned it. Yeah, and now it's like, okay, now what do we do? <laughs> that was packed yeah. away. So, um, you know, then Stephen is found. He goes on with his life. And then he dies 10 years later. And he's back in the limelight again. So it's like Carrie mm. is constantly being chased by Stephen's shadow, which... Grow up, dude. Yeah, exactly. Grow up here, grow up, move on. Like, I mean, not, not move on, but... um, Stop being such a selfish dickhead. <laughs> yeah. But apparently Carrie went through some, some trauma himself as a kid before Stephen was even taken. When he was three, he was diagnosed with this thing called... I'm going to butcher this, but um, trichotillomania. 
You ever heard of it? Who the what? It's actually a disorder that causes someone who's affected with it to have a compulsion to pull their hair out. So he pulls his hair. Yeah, so he pulls his hair out. He was like three when that when he was diagnosed with that. Um, and when he was seven, which ironically is the same age that Stephen was abducted. Um, and this is four years before Stephen was abducted. He was seven years old, and he um, admitted that he began to start fantasizing about killing women. So my assumption this whole time is that the trauma from Stephen being abducted, returning, being killed in a motorcycle accident, going through all the fame and you know the jealousy and all that stuff is probably triggering to Carrie. <clears throat> but I'm I am being corrected that that is um, there's more to it too. So he not only you know, has this hair disorder, this like compulsive disorder. Um, he's beginning to fantasize about that. But, and I don't know the age of this happened, but he was actually sexually abused by his uncle Jesse before Stephen ever even went missing during a sleepover. Um, his uncle was convicted, but the attention that he should have and would have gotten from the trauma that, by the way, remember his parents, they didn't believe, well, especially the father didn't believe in therapy. So he was never given therapy for this stuff. Um, was just kind of like pushed all to the back burner once Stephen was abducted. It was like nobody takes care of Carrie anymore because we have a bigger trauma to focus on. Oh dang! Um, yeah. So, and I think it was like around the same time. So it was just before Stephen went missing that this kind of stuff happened with Carrie. So then he was kind of just like pushed aside, and they never really took care of those wounds, which. Which now makes more sense to me that Stephen would really buy into all of the lies that. What's that dude's name that kidnapped him? I tend to... Oh, Kenneth Parnell. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. Um, that he would feed him because... Sorry, parents, but you aren't really they making yourself... A, yeah, yeah. A great case here for being fantastic. Oh, yeah. No joke. But, you know, Carrie was then kind of left feeling invisible. Like, over and yeah. over and over okay. again. You know? Not, Not that I justify it, but if he's already got these underlying issues, it's just, like, compounding the whole thing. Right? Which goes back to what we were talking about the last episode, like the nature versus nurture. And mm-hmm. it sounds like we got both. Right. Yeah. Here. So, yep. yeah. So, um, as a kid, he well, he actually exposed himself to his sister's friend um, or his female cousins. And he would try to sneak Normal. peeks of girls in the bathroom. <laughs> well, not for him. Not for him. <laughs> this this is screams grade A creeper here because he was. They like used to have to like lock the doors behind them, close the windows because they'd like find him peeking in the window while they're going to the bathroom. <laughs> At one point, he apparently tried to hypnotize them, according to the Yosemite oh, Killer book. He tried to like hypnotize them into taking their clothes off, and they're like, "Fuck you, dude! No, you're taking my clothes off." <laughs> Nuh-uh. Hey, this kid has what it takes <laughs> to be. A creeper. Yeah, a creeper. A creeper. I mean, he's like, if I'm going to be a creeper, I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm going to excel at it. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to be the best creeper there is. Dude. Oh, my God. So, although he had this, like, obsession with sex, he actually never had a girlfriend with that, like, friends were, you know, interviewed, obviously, after all this stuff happened. They go and interview everybody you know, and people were like, yeah, he never really had a girlfriend, but he definitely was obsessed with sex. And we come to find out he actually had ED. So, he had trouble. It's erectile dysfunction. He couldn't couldn't get an erection so he never had a girlfriend um and honestly because his fantasies were of killing women that's probably what would turn yeah, him on and did it, yeah. sex wouldn't do it for him so can't you fantasize about killing your uncle does it have to be us <clears throat> what do we do oh well that is a good segue to this <laughs> he eventually goes to live with uncle jesse uncle jesse okay. is apparently out of prison yep yep here you go. after his conviction yep yep you're kidding same me. guy who molested him 
Yeah. Uh, I'm about to pull my hair out. Yeah. And I think I want to say that that um, Carrie was like not the same. No, no, no. He's good. <laughs> as far as we know, he's good. Um, Stephen had already died, and Carrie had not begun killing it. So this is, like, in between those 10 years. He goes to live with his Uncle Jesse in 1990, and he begins working for Uncle Jesse at his company. Is he so, an adult? Yeah. I want to say he's, like, around 20 at this point. What the? What the? Um, hold on. First of all. Is that right? No, that doesn't make sense, because it would have been 10 years after. He's probably closer to 30 around that time, I'm guessing. How did Uncle get a get a business that a conviction like that? Number one. Number two... What are you doing, sir? Like, are the was the town that small that there was nowhere else to work? Right. I mean, and live Walmart. and live. Like, the last place I'd want to live is the person who freaking molested me. The mm, logic. I have. I don't understand how all this went down, but this is what happened. And um, he he actually like while he was living there, he had his own little his own little side venture. He was um, growing marijuana. Ooh, at the house. Okay, yeah. I'm back in. I'm and he invested. admitted that to Esquire magazine in an interview. Um, and then that was the business. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> they did like windows or something. I don't remember something with windows. Something to do with windows. Okay, every drug like person, so I'm told. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, doesn't the mafia always have like a front? Like, like yeah, it's a pizza shop, True. but it's not a pizza shop. So yes, so they were actually selling marijuana, but posing as a window company. They're Window World. Yeah, Window World. <laughs> is that an actual company name? Yes. Okay, maybe we should we're just that kidding. Up. We're just kidding. By the way, it was not. We're joking. Oh man, don't go to us. We're no, kidding. We're not. No affiliation whatsoever. No. Um. So that December, which if I don't know if you remember this, but um, when Stephen was taken, he was taken just before Christmas. This is also just before Christmas. Oh, Carrie comes home God. to find his uncle, supposedly, allegedly. <laughs> Carrie comes home to find his uncle shot to death in the doorway. No other witnesses. Whoopsies. They suspect it was um, from him coming home to an unexpected intruder who shot and killed him with his own gun. And nobody side-eyed Carrie, who had been living there under the roof of the man who had been molesting him when he was a kid and convicted of it. Hey, I wouldn't side-eye you. Carrie... This is the one killing. Yeah, I, we condone it. <laughs> I, I condone this killing. You know what? Now it makes Approved. sense. Approved. Good job, man. That was sneaky as, a, as AF. As AF. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was good. Okay, but nobody else cares. This is the only killing I condone. <laughs> they never actually solved the murder about who the intruder was. And well, we know they, it was. Well, I guess, um, I think there's suspicion. Like, there's, like, Reddit comments um, with family members who were anonymous of Carrie's who suspect that it was him. But he was apparently at work, so he had an alibi, so they never suspected him. But let's be real, people. He freaking did it. I did it. I wouldn't dime him out either. If yeah. I were, like, Cousin Jan, I'd be like, yeah, no. He but had like they? That. These other people wouldn't have died. Oh, that's right. Dang, I keep forgetting there's more to this. Okay, <laughs> never mind. Sorry. So, if I were Cousin Jan, I guess. Yeah, well... I know. I got a I decision know. to make. The whole, like, the whole build-up to his killings is twisted. I mean, he's been through a lot of shit. So if he was already a little bit, you know, on the edge there of Grey Grey, then this pushed him over for sure, you know, all this stuff. Um, he <laughs> So here's something else. And this does tie into the rest of the story, which is why I bring it up. But he had this obsession with Bigfoot. Ooh. So you so know they're, they're by Yosemite. Does he? Stories becoming very close. Close to home. 
entwined in my life. <laughs> Jerry's in jail, don't worry, it's not him. Yeah. Um yeah. yeah, yeah. So he likes. Oh, so that's what brings him to. Yeah. Like, so well, they lived out right outside Yosemite. So he had been there. He'd been to the park a whole lot of times. Apparently, he had sighted Bigfoot at one point. Ooh. So he was like obsessed with him and obsessed with finding him again. And he would talk to anybody who would listen about Bigfoot and his sightings and the smell of him and it, weird. But like as a kid, even he started this obsession. So we went from a Bigfoot sex obsession to Bigfoot. Oh, no, I think it was all together. Oh, <laughs> all oh, at the same time. Sex with Bigfoot. Yeah, I don't know. No wonder why you had ED. Did but he, yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't get it up for that either. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there are furries out there. Fur- yeah, there. The <laughs> we will not be covering that on this podcast unless you want me to have or a cute we? bag right next to. <laughs> um. So he, you know, like I said, he talked to people about it all the time like cousins and friends and he would always caution people when they were going out camping like make sure you don't go out at night and you know like get on this like big rant about bigfoot um and eventually as i mentioned he had an interview with esquire um and he just talks on about his 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 sighting and all the details of bigfoot and he like goes off on this whole pedestal about it but it this will come into the rest of the story later too so you know, fast forward to 1999, <clears throat> only 10 years after Stephen dies, Carrie commits his first murder. So up until this point, he's like held it together. His so fantasies. Yeah. That we know of, yep. Yeah, him and Bigfoot are still just just like a fantasy that haven't become a reality yet. Yeah. Ugh. Bigfoot. They're going to be besties. Hang on, you somebody. He, I'm sure he's got a Bigfoot in prison. <laughs> Is that what they're calling them these days? <laughs> I mean, so I'm told. <laughs> I know all these. I know all the ins and outs of the oh, man. But you know, we always joke about how all roads lead to Texas. Oh no! If you are a, tri- a true crime person through and through, you will eventually realize that this area of California is like within like a two hour radius. There's always something crime related going on there. Don't visit. So, all roads lead to Yosemite here because, you know, in the beginning of the story, that's where Parnell was from. Yosemite, that's where he oh, took. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, took Stephen and now Carrie. He's like all over Yosemite. So, I don't know if he maybe was just idolizing his brother's kidnapper. Ugh. Yeah. I don't know. Or he's working on something sneaky. Yeah. Like he did with the uncle. Well, no, because Parnell was in jail at this. Was he? No, he'd have been out by now. Oh, dang. But I don't think he was living on Well, let's check on Parnell. Oh, he's dead. Oh, yes. Kick the bucket. Yes. But of natural causes, I think, in jail. After he, remember, he tried to buy that kid for five hundred dollars. Oh yeah, 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 For the yeah, clean yeah. anus. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for got him in jail. They do not take kindly to pedophiles, which I wish they, they hadn't. Honestly, but they did. He died of natural causes. Stupid. Boo. I don't know. So, um, in nineteen ninety nine. Uh, Stainer is working at this place called the Cedar Lodge, and it's just outside of Yosemite National Park. Um, he's a handyman, and he's actually living on site just above the restaurant at this Cedar Lodge. Um, now, 42-year-old Carol Sund and her daughter Julie and their family friend from Argentina, Sil- Silvinia Palesco, say that. I'm not good at names either. Um, they were both 16 years old, um, and they were taking Sylvania sightseeing in Yosemite after going on a college tour for Julie. So they had rented a cabin at, or a room, I guess, at Cedar Lodge just outside the park, and that's when they disappeared. Um, they were last seen on 
February 15th of 1999. Now, uh, I'm going to go back again to the Stevens story. If you remember, Timothy White was abducted on Valentine's Day. Yeah, oh, the little boy. Yeah, Yeah. which then led to Stephen coming home and tailspinning all of Carrie's world again. So Mm -hmm. I almost wonder if there's something to do with that the date or the reason he did it around this time. Mm-hmm. That's just my own speculation. But um, this part, I've got a lot of questions around this, but they were last seen on camera at the lodge with videos in their hand because this is back and during the time where you actually like had to Cam rent course. videos yeah. and bring them back and like put them in a VCR or a DVD oh, player. Oh, yeah. Yep. And I don't know. It could have been DVDs at that point, but whatever they had. They had stuff in their hand because they were going to go back into the room and just stay there for the night. And um, I think they had dinner at the lodge at that restaurant. And then they went back to their room to watch a video and, you know, just spend the rest of the night in. And that was around 11 o'clock. I want to say around midnight, Carrie actually shows up at their door with a backpack. And it contained his kill kit. Um, He said he was there to fix a leak, but there was no leak. So Carol was, like, really hesitant to let him in. Um, But eventually he convinced her, like, no, it's really important. It may not have come through yet, but there's a leak above you. I need to get this fixed. And convinced her, gets his way into the room, and then tells him he's just there to rob them. He's not going to hurt them. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Sneaky. Yeah. So then he takes the girls, the young girls, and he puts them in the bathroom. And out in the room, he strangles Carol, the mom, with a rope. And kills her. He then, now it's midnight. Maybe there's not a lot of foot traffic out there. But there's cameras, right? They just saw the girls on cameras coming back to the room. Why is this not on, this part is not on camera, to my knowledge. He drags the mom out to her rental car, puts her in the trunk, goes back into the room, gets the girls out of the bathroom, and tries to get them to perform sexual acts on one another. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Um... But it never happens because Sylvania is just so upset. She's crying so much that he eventually just gets annoyed, brings her into the bathroom, and strangles her in there. He then takes her body out to the car, too. So they're both in the trunk. So now he's left with Julie, right? She's about 16 years old. He rapes her. Um, There's a couple different accounts. So the ED is gone. Oh, the ED is gone because he's now aroused because Uh, he's killing. Because he's killing. Yeah. Ladies, just for... Um, survival 101. Yeah. Uh, find something in the bathroom. They're, these girls are young, and this is stuff that I don't, I wouldn't have thought of at that age, but. Right. Hairspray, something, a comb, or, you know, stab yeah. in the eyeball. Well, and my thinking, too, is like not even just that, but ahead of that, now in hindsight, I'm sure they think this, but like if somebody you don't know comes to your room, and they're like, hey, I want to fix something. Like, you don't know if they're an actual maintenance person. I don't care. It's not leaking in your room. You close the door. You say, let me just check with the front desk. You call the front desk. You call and get somebody, you know, whatever. Guilty. And then you can I leave the room. Go. Leave the room and let them. Yeah. But, yeah, no, I totally Gosh. have to. Yeah, I would never even thought about it. Don't trust anybody. Yeah, definitely just let people in before. Right? Totally. And I uh, think about it every time, like, I have a service person over to my house or something like yeah. that. Like, I freaking, thank God there's cameras at my house. But even still, it doesn't, it's not going to stop them from doing something right. to me. So, right. I always get worried about that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. protect yourself, you know. Yeah. And I think about it. Like, I'm always, I don't, like, let them, like, they're back to the door. I'll let them in. And then, you know, I'm by the door, yeah. you know, like, things that you can think about. I don't know. Think about it ahead of time. Ways that you can escape bad situations. Um, Somebody's in your house or you're in a house with someone. Yeah. Um, so dad, the dad is not 
visiting with them? No, or? he was going to go meet up with them later. So, oh, God, um, guilty feels. So he gets Julie, I think, from, there's a couple of different accounts, but from what it sounds like, he raped her there in the room, and then he takes her to another room, he rapes her again, um, and then brings her out to his vehicle. Um, he takes one of the blankets out of the room with her, got her wrapped in the blanket, duct tape over her mouth. Again, nobody is seeing any of this. So they're both in the trunk, both mom and Sylvania. And Julie's unaware of this. She's in the car and he's just driving around aimlessly, like trying to figure out what he was going to do with, with her, with whatever. Oh and at some point he like stops and takes the tape off her mouth and starts making small talk. Like, okay. And he tells her like, oh, you're a good girl. I kind of wish I could keep you and whatever. <laughs> so he picks her up and like cradles her, you know, like husband carrying a wife over the threshold. He's like carrying her down to this body of water. And um, he takes off the duct tape. He rapes her again, tells her he loves her. Good God. And then slits her throat, slits her throat and almost decapitates her. <sighs> so um, at that point, he then ditches the car and he takes a cab back to Yosemite Lodge where our good friend Kenneth Parnell actually used to work. So it's like all tying With the job weirdly. opportunities, just not there. I just wonder, again, like, is there an idolization? He seems to be pre. There's a little more thought, I think, in Carrie's. Yeah. Than they've ever really uncovered, or they've never connected the dots to it. Yeah. Um, You heard it here, folks, first. (laughs) Solved it. Um, So he pays for the cab with Carol's money that he steals out of her wallet. Um, Now, you know, the next day, we're still in the land of no cell phones. Remember that. So he's worried. He shows up at the airport and. He figures maybe he gets the time wrong. She's not there. So maybe she flew ahead to Phoenix where they were going to meet up. And he gets on the plane and figures, okay, maybe I'll just meet her there because what else is he going to do, right? Um, so he gets there, plays a round of golf, figures he's going to meet her when they get there. Like, I mean, I'm sure he was spinning, right? But what, like, what do you do? Yeah. What do you do? Do you think the worst? Do you think nothing like that's ever going to happen to you? Right? They're visiting from another country. No, no, the friend was from Argentina, but oh, their the friend from, was from yeah. Argentina. Okay, so I don't know if they're originally from Phoenix. That might be why they're there. Yeah, like why they went back to Phoenix or where the dad even was. I don't. None of that was in what I read. But um, so the next day, he still hadn't gotten any contact, and he decides, okay, I'm, I'm going to start going down the this rabbit hole. I'm really freaking worried. Yeah. So he calls the, the car rental company, and the car hadn't been returned. Yeah. And then he calls the lodge, and apparently they had checked out without returning the key. Which, if you you know if you've ever been to a hotel, they give you the key, and if you don't check out in time, like if you don't bring the key back, they just assume you're checked out by that time. Yeah. And you know, so Room that's probably what happened. Well, yeah, and they hadn't cleaned the room yet, which ends up lending itself to investigators, which is good. So, um, at that point, he's freaked out, and he contacts park rangers and the local police. Um, their first guess is that maybe Carol got into an accident because it had been raining a little bit the night before. So, that's what they're, they're, recover- they're like on a recovery mission to try to find her from some kind of accident. Maybe she ended up in some water or what. Um, they, the investigators show up at the hotel, and they get into the hotel room. Um, but it hadn't been cleaned yet, like I said, and they found the missing pink blanket. Was the pink blanket was gone? They noticed that um, very observant, and there was also a missing pillowcase from the hotel room. The key was still there, um, 
their bag of souvenirs were still left behind, and the room didn't appear to have been disturbed. So I, I guess they didn't struggle? fight back. I don't know. Or he tidied or, up. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, that's what it is. He did actually get a chance to go back and tidy up a little bit so that he was able to remove him, his evidence from the room um, so they wouldn't suspect him. So then they launch into this search, right? There's hundreds of people that are out looking for the girls um, and the rental car that they've been driving. And get this, while they're out searching Yosemite, they turn up 27 cars, all stolen. None of them are the Pontiac that they've been driving. Sorry. <laughs> Drop my pen. Oh, man. Good old Pontiacs, by the way. Back yeah. The day, my mom even had one. Um, but, like, how in the world? There's 27 cars there that nobody ever found? The owners are like, well, finally. Right? Because we're looking. Yeah, but, like, what is this, like, a car graveyard? I don't I don't understand that. That's a lot of freaking cars to just, like, like, somebody, obviously, that's, like, their car burial ground, right? They're like, yeah. oh, I'm... Just yeah, they're just like, well, and it wasn't all Pontiacs, but it was just like a bunch of stolen cars, 27 stolen cars, and none of them were their car. <laughs> Freaking weird. This is a piece of shit. We're going to just dump it off. <laughs> There's nothing we can do with this Pontiac. Eventually, they find the rental car. It's burned. It's buried in, the, like, into the woods in the park. And obviously, somebody with only with vast knowledge of the park would have even known about this area. Um when they open the trunk, they find the two burned bodies, Carol and Sylvania, but Julia wasn't, Julie wasn't there. Yeah. Um, so the community gets hope. Maybe she's still alive. And shortly after Carol and Sylvania were found, which was a few weeks after, I believe, um, the FBI gets a letter, handwritten letter that says, we had fun with this one. We. So Carrie's trying to throw them off his scent, right? She's trying to like make him think it's more than one person. And included in the letter was a hand-drawn map leading them to Julie's body. So at this point, she's missing for about six weeks by the time they get this letter. Um, they find her. She's wrapped in that pink blanket from Cedar Lodge. In an act of desperation, law enforcement begins to like just go rounding up fugitives and convicts with crimes that involved things like murder, attempted murder, and rape. <laughs> like, Jeez. round them up. Um, but they're confident that they have their guy somewhere in there. So they tell the public, don't worry. You're safe. You can still come into Yosemite. I'm sure we've got your guy. But yeah. the lead investigator is like, I am not really comfortable with that. And he goes to his big boss, who then is like, yeah, we're going to go with that story. So you're off the case. Cool, right? Lord. Um, after torching the car, Carrie drives to Modesto, which is a city two hours away, and tosses Carol's wallet just to throw them off the scent even more. Um, the wallet still had credit cards inside and her ID. And at this point, investigators then like descend on Modesto and they start focusing all their energy there. But the husband and the parents, they're not convinced. So they stay in Yosemite and they keep investigating. Carol's parents, even they even hired a PI to investigate um, their disappearance. After weeks, the FBI finally realizes um, they're confident that, well, probably wasn't a car accident, I guess. They probably fell prey to a violent crime. So now... FBI comes back to Yosemite and back to the lodge where it all began, to which Carrie is still working there. Of course he is. So what what gave the police the first, what was their first uh, clue that it wasn't a car accident? Because typically when I get into a car accident, I lock myself in the trunk as well. Well, this is before, before they found the bodies, I guess. Ah, okay. Sorry, I guess I kind of jumped around a little bit on that timeline. But when you get in a car accident... Does your wallet end up two hours away? Yeah, yeah, that's 
too. Injection. Yeah, yeah. There's just so many things that right? I do when I get into a car accident. Yeah. So when they finally get to their senses and they come back and they're like, all right, um, so Carrie. But they don't suspect him at this point. They don't suspect him mm. at this point. So he goes ahead and gives him a tour of the lodge. <laughs> right? Um, and he makes comments to them like, why didn't the FBI look for my brother like this? And he's, like, annoyed with them. Like, why weren't why weren't you guys searching for my brother when he went missing like this? I mean, but... But, but you I'm know what? It's also, to your point from last week, <laughs> you were you were making the point, like, why weren't they looking into, like, pedophiles and yeah. rapists and things like that? Yeah. They didn't really do that, which was also, like, 27 years before this. So, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe they just didn't have the knowledge or the education and that kind of stuff. But they did it in this case. They rounded everybody up. Um, yeah. you know, of course, in a case like this, they're always looking at the husband too. So they do a polygraph uh, on the husband. Dang. He totally passes. Um, they're not considering him as a suspect at all. Um, but the girls, you know, I, I don't, at this point, Stephen's daughter was only three years younger than his two young victims. Oh my God. Yeah. So she was like watching all the news coverage and everything. She's saying that on captive audience, that special on Hulu. And she's, like, worried, like, oh, my gosh, these girls are local. They're, you know, right right by Yosemite. That's exactly where they're at. And, you know, they're, they're right around my age, and it's freaky, right? Yeah. Um, could you even imagine, though? Like, think about mm-hmm. it. He has a kid. He's molested by his uncle. Now he's an uncle. And his now teenage niece is only a few years younger than the girls he goes and murders and rapes. It's twisted. Oh, <clears throat> it is twisted. Man. Um, so at this point, like you said, they're not considering him for the murders. And I am not sure how soon after this is, but, you know, they're convinced that they have their guy, right? Everybody's safe. You don't need to worry about yourself and Yosemite, whatever. So there's a girl, Joy, I think is how her name is pronounced. It's J-O-I-E Armstrong. She's 20 years old. She's engaged and she's actually living in Yosemite. She leads nature walks for kids in the Yosemite Park. She's, like, really involved there, like, really earthy and grows her own garden, like, really involved in the community kind of stuff. Her dad actually did ask her to be careful after the murders because... Oh, I bet. Yeah, he was nervous. And she's like, don't worry, Dad. They got the guy. They got him. We've been reassured. Mm -hmm. And so she's, you know, her guard is down. Carrie shows up at the park one day just hoping to see Bigfoot. And he sees her. I don't even think he was planning on a murder that day, but he sees like a crime of opportunity, I guess. Um, and she's loading up her truck because she's about to go visit her grandmother. So he like strikes up this conversation about barefoot, barefoot. So he strikes up this conversation about Bigfoot. <laughs> I can't. I keep I saying mean, barefoot. Um, I think we should keep barefoot. In barefoot. I keep saying it though. I don't know. Sorry. I'll edit most of it out for you guys. But th- like, I guess this was his tactic to determine if she was alone or somebody else was helping her pack up the truck. And once he determines that she's alone, he like enacts his big plan. He pulls out a gun and he forces her inside her own house, gags her with duct tape. And same MO as before. He tells her, don't worry. I'm just here to rob you. You can shoot me in the street. Okay. Right? Okay, serial killers, I'm not going. <sighs> you will shoot me in the street. I'd rather just die right then and there. Yeah. No way. So, and I don't know, maybe like, who knows? Maybe he's like, do you have a glass of water? And she goes in and like turns her back to him. Like, who knows what the whole situation. I know, again, don't do it. Don't freaking turn your back to people. You're not getting water, serial killer. I don't trust anyone. 
I'm just saying. <laughs> Especially after this podcast, I, I trust I mean, no one. one. I know. Right. It's one thing if you're like, oh, I'm here to like, you know how you offer your guests water, but Stan yeah. has you in the front yard with a gun. You're not getting water. Uh, I know. You choke on that. But I don't think he had his kill kit with him. Just the gun? Yeah. But, you know, he she tells her he's water. just there. Hey. Maybe. He just, you know, it's the same thing. He He says, I'm just there to rob you. You know, I'm not here to hurt you and whatever. So there's a point where when he's arrested, he goes back and he's um, being interviewed by the FBI on video. And he's in jean shorts and a t-shirt and a ball cap, like not orange, not shackled. He has these like paper cuffs on him and he's walking them through the crime scene. Literally, they walk him into her home like she hasn't been violated enough. And ask him to walk them through what he did. And so he, he talks about how he raped her and how he then picks her, you know, kind of like links arms, elbows with her and picks her up and brings her out to the truck. Um, and she <clears throat> she's a fighter, so she tried to escape several times. Apparently yeah. the window was open, I guess, and she tried to jump out of it. Yeah. And I think her hands might have been bound, but she took off running. And, of course, he's bigger than her. He eventually catches up with her and, like, tackles her. Um, he tries to cut her throat the first time and she kind of blocks him with her chin. And so he doesn't get very much of it, but she's bleeding. So now he's, he's not prepared for this. He wasn't expecting to have all this like evidence left behind, but now she's bleeding and blood is like, you know, he's not going to be able to go back and do recon on that. Like, how are you ever going to clean all that up? You know, spatter or whatever. There's no way to go back and make sure you covered all your tracks. So, um, Eventually, he tackles her again, and he cuts her throat. Um, She's still, like, fighting and kicking, and at some point just goes limp because I'm sure he probably cut the carotid or whatever. So all of this is going on, and she's supposed to be showing up at her grandmother's. So, of course, she doesn't. And they call for a well check on July 22nd, and that's when the police officers show up. Her truck is still there. It's packed. Her front door is open. There's a pair of glasses on the porch that are crushed. There's a uh, a watering pail that's knocked over. When they go inside, they notice the bed is all tussled. Like, they could tell something happened, and so, like, their stomachs drop. And when they go outside, because he didn't really have much of a chance to come back and clean up his work, there's, there's tracks. There's footprints. There's... Um, tire tracks from different vehicles there and they're able to basically like follow his path down to where he takes her down to this stream there um and he had they find they find her body only he had removed her head and i don't know in the story where her head ended up but she was decapitated um fully clothed no head what is he slicing their throats with I don't know. He must have had something on him still. But. No, I'm just, I mean, because it's, so I'm told, it's pretty hard <laughs> to I yeah. mean, get someone's head off like that. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Machete, carrying that in his yeah. backpack, who knows. Um, so she was just, uh, it sucks, but she was right there by her house. That's where he mm-hmm. killed her and left her body. Um, but there was a powder blue car that was like noted as being driven in the area by several people who lived there, and it was recognized as Carrie's car. So initially, as we mentioned, Carrie was overlooked for all these murders because he didn't have a criminal past. He kind of kept to himself. He was quiet. So at some point, they realized, like, oh, we, we must have a serial killer on our hands. Oh, shit. Like, the freaking light bulb finally goes off. I don't, I don't know why they 
why they told people it was safe to be there when they did not have anything anything solid on this guy. But Carrie gets <clears throat> um, gets caught. He goes to jail, and while he's in jail, a journalist named Ted Rollins visits him for an interview. Um, I guess he hadn't lawyered up yet, so he was able to talk to him. But and I don't understand what this point is, but they like gave him slips of paper to write things back and forth on, which I guess is good because then he kind of like validates the whole thing. Yeah, I, don't know. I guess it's because they had that Carrie thought he was getting around the tape recorder. Maybe I don't know, but he really wasn't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Or maybe they didn't record stuff at that time, and that was their only way. I have no idea. I don't understand the whole logic behind that, but that's what was going on. So the the jailer gives them these pieces of paper, and before they start talking, Carrie writes on a piece of paper, um, condition, major Los Angeles movie of the week. So basically... He wants to be a TV star or movie star. uh Uh-huh. Before he would talk, he wanted confirmation that he could get a movie deal out of this. How about... Like his brother... Yeah, exactly. Right. How about you talk and my foot doesn't go on your ass? No How about that? So I'm sure that the the journalist is like, <laughs> so he's like, um, yeah, sure, I'll um, I'll work on that, <laughs> just so that he can get him to talk. And like, he says that Carrie like breathes a sigh of relief, like, okay, I get my movie. Oh my Atlanta! I believe yeah. this. I don't know why I always sound so shocked at these stories. So the next thing he writes down is after, you know, he feels confirmation of this movie, which by the way, these like movies of the week, it wasn't a thing anymore. It yeah, wasn't, no. didn't exist, but he was like, sure, I'll look into it for you. Um, so then Carrie writes down, I did murder Carol, Julie, Sund, uh, Sylvania Palesco, and Joy Armstrong. So he writes a full freaking confession down there. So this dude... I don't even know that he was on the map as a as a reporter or journalist at that point, but he sure as hell was after this. He was on like every news station being interviewed about this conversation with Carrie Stainer. Who, I mean, of course, they all had all the questions, right? Um, so during that same conversation, he also admitted to just dis, um, disguising his handwriting in that that letter that he wrote, um, and he paid someone five dollars to spit in a cup so that he could use their DNA to seal the envelope. <sighs> Um, when he do asked, we to, do we have to also make a PSA about? No, it's don't, cups. don't give people your DNA. If somebody's <laughs> asking for your DNA, that's just don't yeah. do it. Okay, just keep right. Keep your spit to yourself. Right. I mean, I guess in Carrie probably got murdered this guy too. So maybe he saved his own life by not doing it, and he got five bucks out of it. But you know, I mean, that we had that high school kid who was friends with Stephen who helped abduct Timmy by twenty bucks, like. What the actual hell is wrong with you people? <laughs> Use your yeah. damn brain. Oh Not gosh. cool. Some backwoods cool. stuff going on. No joke. Um, and then, you know, he, the journalist asked him too, like, would you have kept killing? And he said, oh, yeah, I definitely would have kept killing until I was caught or I was killed myself. So thank God for Joy for fighting back and for leaving enough evidence behind that he was caught because he would have just gone on a spree. Mm, that sounds like it. Yeah. So, because of this, he was sentenced to death for the four murders. Um, he's in California. He's still on death row. Um, but California hasn't executed anyone in a really, really long time. So, he just sits on death row. California. Yeah. I don't wonder why everybody committing crimes in California. No Let's joke. get the death penalty back. Yeah. I can't personally believe in it, but, I, you know. <laughs> We're not allowed to, but. <laughs> Religiously. But. Says, but I'm also, yeah. I'm, I mean, in theory. 
Yes. Like, yeah, so we just we just got everybody on death row, huh? Yeah, so you're we're just hanging out we're there. We're back to the island. I really think that we should just drop them off on an island. Bye. They'll, like, take care of each other, right? So he's just sitting on death row now, right? Yeah. Because so this he's... is not, I mean... 99. 90, that's not horrible. What, 20, not horrible. Four years ago? Yeah. Yeah. That's not a long time ago. Um... So, like, during the sentencing hearing, he actually breaks down and he says, I wish I could take it back, but I can't. I wish I could tell you why I did such a thing, but I don't even know myself. I'm so sorry. I wish there was a reason, but there isn't. It's senseless. Um, You're POS. Totally. And I'm not going to go into all the details of this because, you know, we had enough to cover. But he actually had been dating somebody and she had a daughter, I believe. And his intention initially was to murder them. Somehow, and I think they probably would have been next, but because Joy was a crime of opportunity, he, like maybe the other girls were his practice run and then he was going to murder the girlfriend and and she finds this out later because he does confess it. And so she's like, I literally could have died. Mm -hmm. He almost, he was going to kill me. And thanks to Joy for fighting for her life and leaving all that evidence, she, her and her daughter were safe. But, um, you know, this family holy hell i mean when you think we're dysfunctional no this like i can't even imagine they going win. through all of it yeah, they win. contest one <laughs> so is this fool still like at this point Scott? what <laughs> is he like still pulling his hair out he's all like patchy well he's bald yeah i'm gonna show you a picture oh. here i'll show you a picture of him well that's oh interesting there's a picture of him with hair and that is when with patchy i'm gonna see some patches no he's got hair Okay, I take that back. But on a lot of the pictures, he was bald. Like, his, well, yeah. um... Probably, especially stress of prison, as rightfully deserved. All right, I'm going to be that lady. He wasn't bad looking. Right? I say that, too. And I'm like, <laughs> there we go again. And a waste of another good looking person. <laughs> oh, shit. Come on, Carrie. <laughs> so stupid. But there, that's joy right there. I don't there. think he would have needed to hypnotize anyone. <laughs> I'd be like, ooh, yeah. Get in the bra. <laughs> I mean, he's old now, I know. but I yeah, mean, he in his youth, guy. he was not bad looking. But Stephen wasn't either, though. No, totally. Yeah. Super unfortunate. Um, yeah. But so he is it's still on death row. As he is still on death row, yeah. Um, and, you know, like when they were going through this, like, think about it. Stephen's kids lost their dad yeah. 10, years, 10 years before yeah. that. Um, so they're still, like, mourning the death of their dad. Yeah. Um, and they're going to school, and there's these murders, and they're unsolved, and people don't know, and then they find out. And so their mom and now stepdad have to sit them down and be like, so we got to tell you something. I'm not sitting anybody down. We right? changed our name. Oh, we're moving. We don't know, we don't know those people. We mom, why are we moving? <laughs> well, they did. They tried to change their name to yeah, the stepdads, and the kids were really pissed about it, and they wouldn't let them do it. Um because, I mean, their dad wasn't a bad guy. No, I know, but, but that's just the affiliation. The them. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I feel for them because, the, holy, they just have, like, been put through the ringer with all the trauma that they've gone through. And um, it's just, I mean, these poor kids, they were young. So, what, 13 was his daughter, Ashley? And they had to go into school. And, like, I'm sure people were asking, like, this is your uncle? And you have to a- answer all these questions. And it's hard enough to process as an adult, but then like put it into the kids and they can't escape it. They're in school mm-hmm. and these kids are going to be stupid and they're going to oh, ask dumb absolutely. questions. And this is a new teasing. Yeah. It's just your uncle with the patchy hair. <laughs> <laughs> never seen him. Never seen him before. No, I don't know. What no, no. Same name. No relation. 
<laughs> but anyway, that that wraps part two of the Stainer brothers and their unfortunately dysfunctional family. And Any other siblings? They know they have three sisters, but so far I think they're in the, the girls clear. were all the good. girls were okay. Yeah, but you know, I mean, you look back at their family dynamic and from what they've talked about, and they didn't come from a very nurturing home. Yeah. And it makes a difference, I think, the nurturing side of things um, as to, like, and, and it's not to say, like, people who are nurtured could definitely become serial killers, too. But, you know, when he was going through all that stuff himself between the abuse from his uncle and then his brother going missing, being blamed for all of that, like, there's all of this trauma on top of trauma on top of trauma that they never took care of with him. And who knows what it could have turned around if they had just let him see a freaking therapist. You no know, joke. it would have come out that he had been fantasizing yeah. about killing like almost, They didn't want to talk about it either. It's like, totally. don't talk about it. It didn't happen. It's, it's not a fun thing to talk about. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, so, Marla's story. Don't let people in your hotel rooms. Watch back. Don't offer Grab a water. weapon. Don't offer water. Um, don't. Trust no one. That's going to be our first merch. Trust no one. <laughs> My next one is um, AC, ACS. I was thinking about that earlier. ACS? Always cleaning something. <laughs> cleaning my house. Like, oh, my Jesus. So are um, serial killers. Yeah. I think oh, they yeah. keep good house. Do you think they keep a clean house? They could come. Like, serial killers I mean, can come clean our houses. That's what we should do for them. Make them go clean houses so that they... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Something they're good at. Craziness. <clears throat> well, that's unfortunate. But yeah. I'm glad that he is truly, he's, he's, so he has no, he's on death. When they're on yeah, death no, row, stupid no. question, they can't, there's no opportunity. Oh, no, I doubt it. Okay. Yeah, I can't imagine that they would be able to. Like, I'm sure they can keep appealing their death row yeah. stuff. But. Like, I think um, Lacey Peterson is her husband on death row. Scott Peterson. I know that and he, he's been appealing I can't stuff. remember, I don't think he's been put to death yet. I think he's still killed. Oh, that's what it was. I'm pretty sure that he was convicted and put on death row, but he appealed and had the death sentence overturned. He's still sentenced, but not to death. Um, so he's got life in prison instead of death. But that's another case. Maybe we'll cover that next season because it's not on the, on the docket for yeah, this. But that one, if you've never seen the Netflix documentary, don't watch it because then I'll cover it next season. And that one, I'll tell you what, that documentary has you questioning all of it. Yeah, you do question did you watch whether it? he did it or not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. Even Nate, mm-hmm. my husband came down and saw me watching it and was like, oh, he did it. And by the end, we were both like, oh, crap. I guess he mm-hmm. could. There's a possibility he mm-hmm. could not have done it. And that kind of, I mean, total scumbag, but, mm, yeah. you know, not True. maybe maybe not a murderer of his pregnant wife. I don't know. Anyway, we digress. And uh, that's about it for this episode. So, as always... Please, please, please leave us a review, leave us a rating, wherever you're listening to podcasts. We are up on, like, all the sites now, so share with whoever else you like to podcast with, um, and tell all your friends and your family members about this cool new podcast you listen to, because we love some new listeners. Thanks to all of our other loyal listeners who have been keeping up with us on this journey, and um, make sure that you're following us on Facebook, Instagram, now on TikTok as well, so you can get to see us as well as hear us. And, um, you know, if you have any suggestions or feedback, we'd love to hear it at momswhotalkcrime at gmail.com. And we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.